chapter 14 of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 14. As you find that, I want to say thank you, Pastor Chad, in both services for so beautifully giving us the occasion of celebrating this Memorial Day in light of those who have passed on and time and effort. I appreciate you and your leadership there in the choir and what we have done together. Saying that, Jeremiah 14, saying that on a lighter side, a little lighter moment. Uh, seeing the flags and the uh, presentation of colors caused me to think about something uh, of the little boy sitting beside his mother on church on Sunday morning when the service got too long and the preacher was extemporaneous. You know, some of them do. It's going on and on. And the little boy was, you know, he was bored. And he used up everything he could do. So he just, you know, trying to kill time. He saw the two flags in the church. And we have them here. One's on this side. One's on that side. Most churches, many do. A Christian flag, an American flag. So he thought, I'm going to use up some time. I asked Mama, what, what does that flag mean? It was a Christian flag. And she said, that's a Christian flag. There's a cross on the Christian flag. And it represents Jesus dying for our sins. And every time we come to worship God, we see the flag, the Christian flag. We thank God for Jesus dying for our sins. What about the other flag, the American flag? Well, she says, son, that's in the church because it is there to remind the people of those who died in service. And he said, mama, was it the first service or the second service? Those people died. I am praying that this service will not kill you. And you'll be just fine. This is lesson number three. In a series of lessons entitled, I Never Thought I'd See Today. I owe the title of this series of lessons to the inspiration of Dr. David Jeremiah, a book by that same title that I have in my possession that I've had for a while and only now recently has the Holy Spirit led me there uh, to begin to appreciate the contents. While this is not in that book, this lesson today, I recommend the book because all of us at one time or another the way life moves and cycles and things happen, have, have probably said, I never thought I'd see today. This morning, I said that in the context, I never thought I'd see today where God would become a stranger in America. Chapter 14, Jeremiah, verse 7. O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. Oh, the hope of Israel, meaning the Lord, the hope of Israel, his Savior in time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a traveler who turns aside tarry for a night why should you be like a man astonished like a mighty one who cannot save yet you O Lord are in our midst say amen to that amen. yet you O Lord are in our midst and we are called by your name do not leave us exclamation mark verse 10 thus says the Lord to his people or this people thus they have loved to wander Go astray. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. And there are more verses to which I'll refer to in our moments together. But right now, I, I, I want you to be, I want us to be made one by the power of the word of God. 
oh, we, we're going to have dinner later, but this is dinner now. The kind that we really need more of than the other kind. Stretch your hands in, in, in my direction. Would you offer a prayer for me? Would you do that out of a conviction of your heart and your love for the Word? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, while they offer a prayer for me, I offer a prayer for them together. Oh God, I know it's getting to be noon hour. I know, Lord, it's Memorial Day weekend. I know there are many things that could distract us. But, oh God, I thank you for you being our Jehovah. And I thank you for you being our helper. And so I pray that as we come to the Lord's table, I mean the table of His Word this morning, Lord, make your Word real and alive and powerful to all of us. Give me unction and anointing. Amen, church. Give me revelation and impartation. I pray, oh God, I wouldn't wander astray and I wouldn't operate in my flesh, but I operate in the Spirit of God. All of us wouldn't wander astray, but operate in your Spirit. Oh God, we are people today who you could use and will use as we make ourselves available as vessels for you. So would you help us today to know that I'm not the only one that of importance because I'm the preacher, but all of us are valuable and you died for all of us. And not only to save us, but to use us. So, thy will be done in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. And if you will and can, keep your scriptures open to Jeremiah chapter number 14. Let me give you a little context here, not belabor it. So, do you know, I began reading at a certain place. We didn't read the before and we haven't read the after yet. What is happening here in this particular passage in Jeremiah is the land of Judah is in a great famine. We have here a description of what life was like during some very terrible times for the people of Judah and the people of God. The prophet Jeremiah describes the city and its inhabitants as though they were in mourning, grieving. They have been put to shame and they are humiliated. The country is languishing in sorrow. Things are so bad that even the animals are suffering. But it it isn't so bad just because God hasn't prepared them to avoid this kind of condition. The people to whom Jeremiah speak and this passage address are people who have been warned repeatedly. If you stay within the boundaries of my word and my instructions to you, I will bless you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Down through the ages, with Abraham and then beyond and then Moses and the coming out of, of Egypt, the children of Israel after 400 years of captivity, after crossing the Red Sea, after crossing the desert, wandering in there for 40 years, after crossing the River Jordan, after going into the Promised Land, otherwise known as the land of milk and honey. All through those generations, leader after leader, and, and, and men and women of God, and one after another, kept reminding the people of God, when you obey God, you get blessings. When you disobey God, you get judgment. It's true today. It, nothing has changed. In America today... When you obey God, not just as a a nation, but individually. When I obey God, you obey God. When I read the Bible, when I pray, when I obey the commands of God, when I do what He told me to do, He has created boundaries, perimeters, places where if I don't cross and go over and disobey Him, I will be blessed, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If I obey God just like Israel then, I'll be blessed in going out, blessed in coming in, blessed in laying down, blessed in rising up. I'll be so blessed I can't even measure it. The same was true for these people. 
But you know what blessings can do at times? Blessings can be a curse. Because it can be a curse in the context of if you forget the blessor. And I, I, now I'm starting to feel a, yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> if you're visiting, that means I'm starting to feel a whoop glory. That's a sophisticated whoop glory. I try to be really contained because I know that some of you have invited people to this church at the risk. <laughs> and and, and, and what, what I've come to understand is, is that blessings can be a curse like you did for Israel when God said, look, I'm giving you the land. You didn't buy the land. You didn't have to really fight for it. I chased out the enemy. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build because the enemy built it and I'm running them off. You can come move in. You're going to pick grapes from, from vines, vineyards, and, and have all the products of the fruit of the vine. And you didn't even plant those vineyards or tend them. I just drove the enemy off. You're going to draw waters out of wells of waters that you didn't even dig those wells with your hands. I caused the enemy to dig them before. I'm going to give you all these things. I'm going to bless your herd, your livestock, everything. As long as you remember the blessor, who is God. So when, I, when you go in the land, don't intermarry with the pagans. Don't take their sons and daughters to wedlock. Don't worship their gods. Don't worship their idols. Don't, don't even eat their diet because I'll give you a special holy diet. Can I get an amen? amen? And as long as you do these things, you're going to be fine. But they did, uh, when, and it's like this in the world today. Pastor, if God will give me that job, I promise I'll be in church and I'll tithe and give to the Lord. And you know, when you really want something from God, you really get humble and obedient. And Pastor, if God will bless my wife and I with a child, we have been trying to have a child and, and, and our situation is such for the last two years, the womb seems to be barren and we don't seem to have the seed. And so if God gives us a child, a baby, we'll dedicate that child to the Lord almost like Hannah did Samuel. Pastor, if God will deliver my son or, or, or daughter from drugs or alcohol, the wrong crowd. If God will save my husband or my wife. If, if, if God will do all, give me a, a house or a car or help me to be debt free. I, I will. And boy, when we are looking for the blessing, we get really close to the blessor. But the problem with the people in this passage in America today is that we soon forget the blessor and we consume ourselves in the blessing uh, 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 until God has to wake us up and say, no more blessing. God was becoming a stranger to the people of Israel as he is America. And there was a reason for it. So let, let me show you. It's in the text and it's also on the screen. In verse number 7 of our text, chapter 14, Jeremiah. Oh Lord, though our iniquities testify against us. Can I get an amen by faith here? Jeremiah says, God, our sins testify against us. I'm telling you, the sins of America has testified against us. And we're still asking God to help us. Look, look, look at the second part of that verse. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. And there's a reason why the people then suffered. And there's a reason why America has encountered so many different kinds of seasons of sufferings. Natural disasters, physical disasters, financial disasters, terrorist disasters. Verse 8, O hope of Israel, his Savior, in time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a traveler who turns aside for the night? 
You see, here's what I understand in my personal life. And I think it's true for individuals and families and a nation or church. Whenever I willfully step out of God's covering and boundaries and parameters of safety, God becomes a stranger to me. Not because God's moved, but because I move. Give me an amen, somebody. I, I say to you that the Ten Commandments are God's boundaries in which we operate in obedience so we can be blessed. Those of you that are parents and the grandparents, you know that you create boundaries for your children because you, you want them to be blessed. Can I get an amen? You, you say to your children, do not hang with this crowd, do not experiment with this drug, do not go stay past this hour at night, do not get in a vehicle with people of this kind, or do, you know, do not go to a party or an event where there's these kind of things going on. You create boundaries for your children, not because you want to make their lives miserable, but because you want to keep them from some of the pains that you might have encountered because you didn't obey the boundaries. We've all been guilty. Can I get an amen by faith? And so I say to you that, that when God seems to be a stranger to us, it's because we have chosen to ignore His boundaries as an individual or a nation. What happens when God becomes a stranger? When God is a stranger in the land, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. In Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, it's on the screen. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Please, please hear me. That is America now. It's America today. There are people who say, as a result of situation ethics, situational uh, 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 context, if you need to tell a little lie to get through a tight place, you can lie now and make it up later. That's not in this book. And the people have all kinds of ways of describing a little white lie, a little gray lie, a little brown lie. No, I don't care if it's an Indian lie. It's a lie. People say, if you've got to slip a little money here now, or borrow from the job, or, or clock in a little early and still get paid a little more, that is dishonest. I'm just talking to us, okay? We're not, you know, a lot of times we like to think about the sins as being rapists and murderers and child abductors and, uh, and, and people and, and all kinds of perversion and sin. When, when I'm going to tell you something, friends. Sin is sin. And, and here in America, we got people who say, you know, uh, do now and apologize later. And, and if it don't harm anybody and then affect anybody, then you go ahead and do it. Let me tell you, nobody lives to themselves. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And it has rippling effects on other people. When God is a stranger in the land, everyone does right in their own eyes. Look at Proverbs 30 and 12. It's on the screen. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. Yet it is not washed from its filtiness. Uh, l listen to the preacher. Everybody in America is spiritual. Yeah. Everybody in America is spiritual. And in their spirituality, they cover what they think is their purity. But spirituality here and spirituality in America are not necessarily the same thing. You've got Oprah, who's got her own spirituality. You know, I'm not a generic preacher. I do name it. In this series of sermons, I've had some people encourage me along the way, and some people just uh, gnashing and grinding. 
God help him. You got the guy who is a star of Mission Impossible. What's his name? I like his Mission Impossible. Help me out, somebody. Yeah, you're all acting so spiritual. <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he in Scientology? That's spiritual. You got some other folks in the New Age movement. Everybody is spiritual. And and in this America that's gone so far from God, we get these teachings that says we all headed to the same heaven. And all headed to the same eternal life. It doesn't matter how you get there through Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or some kind of other ism. And so people get offended and they think that we Christians, we, we, I never thought I'd see today where Christians, Christianity would be one of the most persecuted religions in, in America. In America. You'll probably hear me preach that in this series. Never thought I'd see today. I've been in America for 43 years almost. Came here when I was 11 years old. I'm an American. My mother and father came here as ministers. And many years after, we came here legally and we did all the first stuff. But about 20 years later, I, by choice, became a citizen of the United States. But I never thought I'd see today when America would persecute the very purpose for which the founding father came to these shores, Christianity, God. There's a generation that's pure in its own. Let me, let me tell you, I'm not the one that died for you. And I'm not the one that said you to, in the word of God that there is a way that seemeth right unto God, unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death in the book of Proverbs. It is Jesus, Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can I, can I get an amen? I, I'm not trying to be narrow-minded or bigoted and trying to act like I, I'm, I'm, I'm some kind of exclusionary, uh, exclusive preacher and I've got the only way. It is Jesus who said he is the only way. Not Islam, Buddhism, not any kind of Shintoism or any other ism. Jesus Christ. There is no other religion in the world where anybody has ever died for the sins of lost people. There's no other religion in the world where the founder of that religion gave his life, rose again on the third day, and is coming again for all those who believe in and on him. It is Jesus. Come on, give him praise. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. Yet it's not washed from its filthiness. Look at this. When God is a stranger in the land, everybody does what is right in their own eyes. And in Isaiah 5 and 21, the Bible says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I, I need to tell you that how to live and how to be blessed is in this book called the Bible. Can, can I get an Amen. And if we live and move and operate according to God's provisions, He won't just bless you. He'll exceedingly bless you. Oh, let, 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 me, let me hurry. Number two, when God is a stranger in the land, there is no fear of God. That's where we are in America now. People who destroy the Bible without and, and glad to do it, profane the Word of God, curse in the face of God. No fear of God. God's not representing himself 
that we should fear him in the context of he having a bat in his hand to beat us over the head every time we slip and fall. Every one of us are the product of grace. If God was that God, we'd all be dead now just trying to kill us. The reason Jesus Christ hadn't come yet is because of grace. We've long exceeded the prophecies. The prophecies already fulfilled about the end time and the coming of the Lord. Every one of you here this morning along with me here, and we, I believe we all are, I hope we are, check your pulse. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is we are all living on grace. God's not looking to kill us. But he does want us to have a reverential fear. A regard and respect. If we knew the President of the United States were to be among us in worship this morning, we would honor his office and presidency as we should. We should have a respectful fear. Can I get an amen here? We, we, we need to, when we go to court, if we have an occasion to go to court as a witness or a defendant, we are made to stand everyone in the courtroom as the judge with the proper robed attire ascends to his bench. And only after he is seated are we seated. It is a reverential, respectful fear because he has the power to bind you or loose you. I whoop glory is getting in my spirit. Fear. The fear of God. says, I know you brought me in this world. I know you can take me out. Thank you for not taking me out. You can hide your stuff from your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mother, your dad, your boss, your supervisor, your coach. But you can't hide your stuff from God. And he gives us a chance to repent of our stuff. Fear. A right kind of fear. But it's not. Parents, listen to me. You need to teach your children reverential, respectful fear of police officers. Can I get an amen here? You need to teach your, parent, your, your children reverential fear of, of, uh, and respectful of their school teachers and their principal. Give me an amen. Of their coach, of their pastors and spiritual leaders. That ought to be another place for an amen. Yeah. You need to, you need to teach your... I don't care how modern America gets. When, when your son or daughter talks to their mama, it's yes ma'am. Or their daddy is yes sir. I, I'm preaching to you. Yeah, that's what made this country strong. We had boundaries where we operated in respect and reverence. Give me another amen, somebody. And so I'm saying to you, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. We have come to the place in America where it seems like God is a stranger because there is no fear of God. Let me, let me show you that. I make sure that you know that I didn't make this up. This comes from Romans. And I want you to see Romans chapter 3. And you don't need to turn there. I've got it for you for a reason. Look at what it says. Chapter 3, verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Does that sound like the status quo of America when it comes to the fear of God? Their throat is an open tomb. They say whatever they want to coming out of their throat and off their tongue. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. We have come to that place in America. Never thought I'd see today. Not just in politics, but in preaching. Just saying whatever they want to say. Prophesying stuff. God never prophesied, told them to prophesy. It's in the book. It's in the book. The poison of asp is under their lips. 
And it says, verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Please look at me and hear me. My wife is not in the service. She wasn't the first. She's an elementary school principal. You hear me when I tell you I'm not making this up. Kindergarten kids, elementary school kids, full of vulgarity and profanity. You know where they get it, don't you? It is the circle they're in with the adults and the media that they're allowed to listen to. That's the the kind of... They swear on the name of God. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I, I tell you that if there is no fear of God, don't expect for God to bless us. I can't expect for God to hear my prayer and answer my prayer and meet my needs and heal my body and bless my marriage and pay my bills and deliver me from the attack of Satan and protect me on the highway and give me long life when, I'm, when I take his blessings and I abuse them to keep living like if there's no God who will judge me for my disobedience. I'm not mad, just passionate. No fear of God. I... When God is a stranger in the land, number three, homes are divided. I've been preaching on that last, last two weeks about marriage and marriage in America. And so I won't delay or belabor this. But I, I, I will tell you that the salvation of our nation begins, the cohesion, the unity of our nation begins in the home and with the family. I've been preaching to you that God says, for this reason, a man shall leave his husband and wife, his mother and father, pardon me, and cleave to his wife or husband, and the two shall become one flesh. Two being one infers, you already understand, unity. And, and, and homes are divided because you've got people who dated and courted people in their courting and dating days who were not born again, whom they hope after they got married they could get them born again. How many times, and let me say this, I don't want to be unkind, but I'm not interested as a pastor who have license and rights by my denomination and by the government to perform wedding ceremonies. I'm not just interested in performing wedding ceremonies because somebody needs to get a marriage and they need a preacher. You all help me preach, I'll do it all by myself. I'm not looking as, a, as an officiator of marriage ceremonies to rack up a lot of marriages. What I am interested in is, does this man, is this man born again? Is this woman born again? And when you start a family, will you be in the house of God? Do you love God because the Lord who created you to become one in marriage is the Lord who's going to bless you if you put Him first in your marriage? Somebody ought to say Amen. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Some of you lost your boyfriend or your girlfriend you last bought the church because I prayed them out of your life. <laughs> Sitting with somebody, they may look like little Lord Funkleroy, but they got a lot of baggage. Yeah. Yeah. They, I have two daughters. They're married now, and God's blessed them with wonderful spouses, and I'm grateful for that. One of which is our own youth pastor, Pastor J.C., before you came along, J.C., I prayed away some real crud, buddy. 
You know, <laughs> you're grateful, aren't you? Yeah. Girls come around. Our daughters. And I tell you, that I don't know how you feel about your children. I think you feel like I do. Money can't buy them. I love them. Their mother and I, trying to be nice to them, we prayed away some real stuff. Thank God. Yeah, I've seen you bringing here, some of you, you know, you're going through a grieving time where your husband divorced you, your wife divorced you, you're going through that stuff and it's painful and hard and you lose somebody in death and I don't know what it's like to be that kind of lonely and I, I pray that doesn't happen to you, but, but you know, that's what life does at times. You know, bring somebody in here and they, they don't care nothing about the Bible, don't care nothing about God, don't care nothing about church. All they're doing is sitting beside you is to make you happy until you say, I do. When you say, I do, they never come to church again. Divided home. Somebody help me. Their own mama couldn't, couldn't get them right. Their own grandmama couldn't get them right. Their whole family couldn't get them right. Here you are thinking you must be some kind of divine being. <laughs> Leave it alone! Forgive me for being casual, but there is a saying that says there are other fish in the sea. Don't just care anything you catch. Just hang on to it. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm in the... Yeah, yeah. If you're single, God's got the right man or woman for you. Depending on your gender. I need to clarify in these days. I'm the same guy that... The same guy that preached same-sex marriage is not in the Bible. It's the same Jesus who died for your sins who said what I just said a while ago. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It's the same Jesus who created one man for one woman. Okay? So I don't care what the culture says or what the politics says. I'm here to tell you if you want to live under the blessing of Jesus, you will fear God. You'll do what is right and God will take care of your future. And number four, when God is a stranger in the land, the future is uncertain. Here's some shocking words I, di- I didn't think you don't see very often in Scripture. And you don't hear preached about a lot because we in this age of blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. All with me? That's all right. They still got food at Golden Corral. You all hang in there. Jeremiah, this is our text, verse 10. Look at the screen or in your Bibles. Matter of fact, open your Bibles if you have it, because I'm going to read more than distant verses, but I'll start with this. I'm talking about the future of a nation and a people, an individual, when we make God a stranger. Thus says the Lord to this people. Thus they have, they love to wander, stray away. They have not restrained their feet, blowing in and out of Wrong relationships. Come on, help me here. Blowing in, experimenting with religions and gods. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach to you on this subject. Never thought I'd see today. When Christians would act like they're not in a warfare. We are in a warfare against the devil. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach to you that the devil is real. Demons are real. The occult is real. Witchcraft is real. We are in a warfare. Therefore, God does not accept them, the Bible says, because they wander off. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. But look at something that is not popular, but it's in the Bible. 
Look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, Jeremiah speaking, Do not pray for this people, for they're good. You ever heard that? God telling a prophet, don't pray for them? Look at this. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. You know why? Because God is saying, you have crossed the line too many times. All your tithe, all your offering, all your showing up and filling a pew, and your heart is still impure, and you're doing what you want to and living like the devil, but you just come into church because it's politically correct, or you're just doing something publicly to be seen. God says you've crossed the line so many times. I don't care if you fast one meal or five meals or for a whole week. If your heart's not right, the windows of heaven are closed. If your heart's not right, I'm, not, I'm a stranger to you. Can I get, a, can I get an amen? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to make you upset. The, the Bible says you offer, back then they offered burnt offerings and other kinds of means of their worship. Today we come and, and we worship, we lift our hands, we sing, we pray, we bow our heads, we bend our knees, we give our tithes, we give our offerings, we do act of benevolence, we love one another. God says all of these things are useless if you harbor sin. Let me show you something else. You all still here? Look at verse 14. Everybody in your Bible, look at verse 1. And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, and worthless things, the deceit of their heart. Look at verse 15. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By the sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. I'm hurrying. Listen. Look at me for a moment. High visibility ministries in America. Big prime time television ministries. Some of which have suffered. Here in the metro area. Ministries of ethnic distinctions and other distinctions. White, black, other kinds of distinctions. Of men who were living in sin. While preaching the gospel. Having hidden stuff. I'm telling you. I've sat on a few trial boards. This week I sat in a trial board as a minister. With one of my fellow ministers on trial. The chairman of that trial board. Me and other two ministers. For having preached one thing. And destroying the sheep. Robbing the sheep. Yeah, I'm telling you, God says there are people who say, who are standing in pulpit saying, God said this, God said, when God ain't been a million miles near that. You all hear me, okay? When you tithe and give, God's going to supply your needs. He never promised for you to give $10 and he's going to give you 10000 back. God's not in the gambling or the lottery business. It's a good time for you to all say amen. amen. And I do expect if you win the lottery, you better bring the tithe or it's going to burn up in your hands. I'm not telling you to play the lottery. I want to make sure all my bases. Yeah, I say unto you. We had a guy who, who won millions come to this church a little time back. And if he's here this morning, you need to hear it. Yeah. He owed people money left and right before he won the lottery. Won 12 million and got to keep six. Come in here and after a few weeks, I found out through other people. I didn't know I found out. 
he said, uh, come in at my office and said, hey, uh, in the billing program, uh, somebody told me, Pastor, you wouldn't take the money from the lottery winning. You are absolutely right, my sister. Hey, yes, I would, sister. I would take that money. The drunk and the alcohol and all them other people got the money way too long. But anyhow, that's not the point. He went over to my youth pastor right here and said, what, what do y'all be needing in the youth ministry? Am I right? Make a list. Send me an email. <laughs> if you're here, brother, we'll still take it today. Uh, <laughs> you understand? It didn't come. Because you forget to bless all. And you worship the gift. Okay. The, the, the point, I, what is the point I'm trying to make? I think you get it, don't you? Huh? I, I think you come to understand and appreciate the fact that there are people who make promises who never keep them, including lottery winners and preachers and politicians. And God says, these people who are prophesying stuff about me I never told them, they're going to be destroyed by the very thing they're prophesying. I, I'm telling you, and as they come to the music, if there is any hope for America, it is this. It is what I have on the screen, and you are part of that solution. Did anybody hear me? Can I get an amen? amen. Look, look at me just a moment now. I'm trying to wrap this up, okay? Look, look at me here, right here. You and I are the hope of this nation if you are a born-again believer. I didn't say you had to be Church of God or Baptist or Methodist. I'm, I'm saying you have to be a Bible-believing, God-fearing, God-honoring Christian for you to be a part of the hope of this country. Can, can you hear me when I say this to you? Listen, you know what's going on in America? Everybody's spiritual in a sense of a way of generally speaking. But very few are personal. But please listen to me. I, I, I was this weekend in Cleveland, Tennessee, our denomination's general headquarters. I was at the graduation ceremony yesterday for the School of Theology, which is called the Pentecostal Theological Seminary. Because I'm privileged to be on the board of directors of the seminary. We were in board meetings from Wednesday until last, late Friday or Friday, and then, of course, the graduation. I was at the honor service on Friday night, and I was at the graduation on yesterday morning. And what a joy it was to see our denomination prepared. This is seminary level now, post-graduate work. Men and women of different ages who, who, who have to pay their own way. Some come from different countries in the world, different nationalities, about 57, 62 of them altogether. Stepping out, having prepared themselves to respond to the call of God. One of the speakers at, 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 the, at the ceremony, the honor ceremony, was the president of the American Bible Society, Dr. Lamar Vest, who used to be the presiding bishop of our denomination. The American Bible Society is 197 years old. And Dr. Vess said to us from a recent survey, because all they do is publish Bibles and disperse Bibles all over the world, the American Bible Society. He's the first in 197 years, the first Pentecostal president of the American Bible Society. Oh, yeah, praise God is right. He said, we did a survey. And while the average American home will have five Bibles in it, the average American home will have only 
of Christians engage in reading their Bibles regularly. Therein is the problem. Please hear me. I'm telling you, if we are God's people, we got to have the tool, the knowledge. We got to equip ourselves. It is not enough for you to hear me yell once a week, and that's all the Bible you get. It is not not enough for you to bring your kid once on Sunday or once on Wednesday, and that's all the Bible they get. I will forever be grateful to my mother and father who made me and my three sisters every day read the Bible and pray. Until I got to the place where I loved it on my own. Before my mom would give me my sack lunch to go catch the bus, did you read your Bible and did you pray? It was required. I wasn't interested. Little did I know that they were preparing me for the call that I didn't know I would have. Everybody on the count of three, this is the hope of America. Everybody on the count of three, look to a screen and read out loud with me the hope of America on the count of three. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. We're going to do it one more time on three. One, two, three. Everybody. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Stand in Jesus' name. And after you stand, put your hands together and thank God for the hope we have. Come on, come on. Thank God for the hope we have. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I will bless you, Lord. I will bless you, Lord. I will bless you, Lord. My, my, my. Now, now, if you, can, if you don't have to leave, please don't. Because this is, the, this is the way where it all comes together. This is where I need to repent. And perhaps you do too. Have you been silent in this America where God has become a stranger when you should have spoken? I have been guilty. Have you turned and looked the other way? When you should have addressed the problem here. Because the Holy Spirit said, now is the moment to be salt and light. I have been guilty. Have you because of the sake of convenience when God called you to a time of prayer or fasting or being bold for him. Repress the feeling. When we should have gone higher and deeper. We've all been guilty. Can I get a witness here? Have we had times when we should have feared God and did not? I've been guilty. Have we had times because it was our children or our grandchildren or ourselves, we excused a certain sin when we should have addressed it and said, not in this house and not in my life. I'm saying to you, I want to be sure that if we expect His favor, that we have a clean temple. So I'm calling this church and myself to this verse right now. Right now. I'm calling for us to humble ourselves. Seek his face for a moment. Turn! From our wicked ways. I want to tell you something. I am not giving up on America. I said I am not giving up on America. Long as I have breath, I am not giving up on America. Because God is for us. But he won't bless us if we curse him. 
So I want to repent. Anybody else want to do that with me? Raise your hands to the Lord. Just kind of tilt your head toward heaven and talk to Him right now. Come on, everybody. Talk to Him. Talk to Him about you first. Come on, in the name of Jesus. My Lord, my Lord. Everybody praying. Everybody surrendering. If there's any sin in your life, confess it to Him. Come on, right now. If you know today that you are not living in right standing with God and you do not want to be judged by Him and condemned to hell, you ask Him right now to wash away life. Come on. Lord, I want you to wash away my sins in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I confess that I, have, I am spiritual, but I'm not spiritual in the right way. Come on. I have believed other things, practiced other things, and I have diminished Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me. Come on, pray that way. God, I ask you to forgive us this morning. Forgive us for looking the other way when we should have addressed the problem. Forgive us for being silent when we should have been vocal. Somebody help me pray. Forgive us, oh God, for not repenting when you convicted us. And I, I repent now. Oh God, forgive us for allowing things in our house or in our automobile or on our job when we should have excused ourselves from it and left it alone. Come on. God, I pray if we're going to be a part of the solution, we got to get rid of the problem. Come on and pray. Come on, say, God, wash me in the blood of Jesus again. God, in the name of Jesus, I dedicate my marriage. I dedicate my children. I dedicate myself to you. Come on, raise your hands and, and say, God, I want to be a vessel. I don't want to be a part of the problem. I don't want to be a part of people who wander off, oh God, and have no fear of God. Bring revival. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God will heal our land. Come on. I repent, oh God. I repent. I repent. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now put your hands together and praise Him. I 